take over my job as a writer? That's coming up next right here on The Right Stuff. Hi, and welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we are going to be talking to my returning guest co-host and contributor today, Donovan Neal. He's an author and a speaker, and he is someone who has been embracing the use of AI with his creativity. Now, you may be surprised, but he's been getting some backlash about it. But we're not quite sure why are we getting the backlash against AI? Is it because we're afraid it's going to take over our jobs? Is it going to replace humanity? Those are some of the questions and more we're going to talk about in just a few moments. As always, I want to thank you for your support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash right stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net, click on that pink follow button, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. Subscribe to our new YouTube channel at PJC Media. Click that bell and you'll be notified as soon as a new episode is uploaded. We have exclusive content and more. So go ahead and subscribe today. Lastly, I want to thank you all for your support of my newest release called A Chance for Zhao Xing. It's part of the Last Chance Bride series, which is a continuation of the Blizzard Bride series, 15 years into the future, so about the 1890s. Your response has been absolutely phenomenal. So go ahead and pick up your copy exclusively on Amazon.com. And so without further ado, we're going to bring Don on because we have some serious questions to ask you, sir. And let me ask you right away, is AI going to take over my job as an author? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the short answer, right? That's the short answer. No, it's not going to take over your job as, as an author. <laughs> Now, there are some people who disagree with you, Don. They are so certain that if we do not curb the use of AI, that it is going to take over our jobs and humanity as whole, and we will be enslaved before the robotic God. So what do you think about all of this fear-mongering that we have? You pack a lot into that. I, I think the fear of disruption, of not being, of being unemployed or the competition that is the result of having these, what I call tools, the tools that can, again, compete with what we do in the marketplace, whether that's creating a, an image or whether that's writing a story. I still don't believe that authors and illustrators and other individuals like that will be replaced. What I do believe is that authors in particular, what we'll see is a, is a greater volume of work that is not exclusive human generated. I think I think we'll see that. But I don't think that work will replace human authorship. There's nothing that that prevents I'm a self-published author. There's nothing that there's nothing that stops me from working just because let's say you generate something using an AI generated tool. You're using that doesn't stop what I'm doing. Now if you write in the same genre, it just means I have one more uh, quote-unquote title that maybe competes with mine. But that will be the case whether that 
was generated by a human or not. So I think the issue is going to be the, how prevalent is these AI-generated products on the market. And I think once we get a picture of that, then I think we'll see if the cream will come to the top and then the rest of all the, the flotsam will, will flow to the bottom. So I, I, think I think our jobs are safe for right now. <laughs> well, I had to ask that starting off, but we did kind of skip a step because I wanted to get to the crux of the issue that so many creatives have when it comes to talking about AI. But before I do that, I want them to know more about you. So go ahead and share that with us. Uh, well, I am an independently published author. I have several series out. The one I'm most well known for is the Third Heaven series, which um, deals with a full book series that deals with the fall of Lucifer uh, and his ultimate judgment and condemnation on Lake of Fire. So a full book series of that. Several other series out recently with the advent of AI tools, I have begun the process or completed the process of taking a short story that I had already written and converting that short story into a graphic novel using Midjourney specifically as the tool to help me with the imagery of that. So I look forward to, you know, having more discussion with you about the, the prospects that creators can use, uh, can how, how we can use these tools. For those of you who want to get a copy of his graphic novel, it's available on Amazon right now today. Now, I'm going to brag a little bit because I saw this in its draft form even before he was thinking about doing a graphic novel because I read the short story and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then when he did the graphic novel, I got a sneak peek at it. And let me tell you, using Mid Journey presented and provided some wonderful, highly detailed, richly developed images that really thrust you into the story. But as some people already know, there are some people who are going to take issue with that. So for you, dear listener, we're going to divide this up into about three categories. AI as a tool, AI as a creative assistant, and AI as a government aid. And lastly, we're going to add a spiritual context to this conversation as well. So let's go ahead and get started, Don. Now, you used Midjourney to help you do a graphic novel. Why do you think people push back against the use of AI as a creative assistant when it comes to making images? Uh, I think one of the underlying reasons basically is fear. I think that's the, the number one thing, just concern that individuals are going to be replaced. And as a result of that fear, you start asking questions or you start minimizing the art or the product of the AI generative program. So because of the fear, you're concerned about disruption as relates to, you know, your possible economic well-being. What does that mean to you? What does that mean? Does that diminish your work in some way, shape or form? And I think a natural reaction is to diminish that thing which you might perceive as an opponent, which you might perceive as an enemy. And so therefore you get arguments like real versus fake art, or you begin to just even question whether it's art at all. And so I think all of these are basically attempts, uh, a lot of times just unconsciously, I think, in the mind of people, but sometimes obviously consciously too, to really just minimize and make a distinction between those human versus machine-generated products, and then also qualitative. You know, there was a meme going around on the internet, you know, about hands and mid-journey or, or AIs not being able to create hands. Well, guess what? Now they can make hands. 
And so you can't use that as a way to, to beat up, as it were, on these products because they're going to evolve over time and they're going to get better. So I think those are some of the underlying, I think fear is just the main underlying thing. And then as a result of that, you the byproduct that is a minimization uh, and, you know, these attacks on it in terms of what is, is it art? And again, it was, it's real versus fake. But I think the other thing too, one of the clapbacks, and I think the real more serious, the ethical issue has had to do with how the learning models was trained. I think of all of the arguments that are out there, I think whether it's art or not, I think that's a really minimal argument for me. The real versus fake art, I think is a minimal argument. The disruptive one, you know, that's a, that's a legitimate argument too. But I think the most powerful argument to me that I heard in this space had to do with whether or not basically were the individuals on which these models were predicated on, were they stolen from? So I think that's the more serious issue. And so now what you're seeing are lawsuits that have come as a result of that. You're seeing tools now put in place, in some cases, AI-generated tools to remove people's copyrighted works from the learning models in the first place. So I think that that's probably the most serious issue that I've heard uh, when it comes to using, at least as it relates to the image generative um, AI tool like MidJourney and Stable Diffusion. Now, with MidJourney and Stable Diffusion, they are able to create these wonderfully detailed and richly textured images. And they're able to do it faster and they're able to do it better than humanity. So the real question becomes, do we continue to use humans when we can use AI? I think the answer is yes. Uh, I would push back on the issue as to whether it's better. That's a subjective term. I think it's the qualitative aspects of the image generation will vary depending on what the needs are of the person who's producing the image. So I think when it comes to really like comic books, let's use comic books. If you want to see Thor hit the Hulk, and knock the Hulk out, you're not going to see that right now with this current generation of AI-generated tools. You might be able to get those individual images of Thor and the Hulk, but you're going to have to do some post-production to see them fight, as it were. So uh, illustrators don't need that. You know, they can and have post-production. So I don't think that that's something that's a, a concern right now. There are other types of things that, you know, humans are definitely going to be around for quite a long time when it comes to this stuff. So I think it just really depends on what type of art you're trying to generate. One of my arguments, you know, when I hear illustrators and different things talk about them being replaced is if you're someone like me and I don't have the capital, I don't have the resources to have afforded you for cover design in the first place, I was never your market. So what's happened is that individuals like me now have access to a tool because I couldn't afford graphic designer. I can use MidJourney now, whether that's for stable diffusion. So whether that's free or low cost, and I can use that tool to generate. So I was never in that market in the first place. So I recognize some individuals when they talk about certain things, about being disrupted and things like that, they're, they're coming from a certain perspective in terms of their market. They're not the market for everybody. So it's going to have a different economic impact. I think, I think overall we're going to be fine. But yeah, you will see some losses in some shape or form, but I think it remains to be seen how that's all going to shake out. You made a point of saying people are trying to differentiate between real art and fake art. So the question becomes, what exactly is art? Exactly. I remember really trying to address this issue and going back to God about it. And there's a general principle that I've used that I discern from scripture. And that is that principle is that God creates a man event. 
man doesn't create really anything. All he can do is take what's already in existence and rearrange it. And he might rearrange it in a different composition that no one has ever seen before on the planet. But in the end, he hasn't created anything. He's just, he just rearranged it. There's only so many notes. There's only so many spectrum of colors. But how we combine those things is what is interesting. Now think of Genesis 2.9, and it says, Out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. And it talks about these four trees, and this is one of the types of trees that God had created in the garden. It's interesting to me. Its only function was to be beautiful. It didn't have a function of sustenance. It wasn't like the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't like the tree of eternal life. Its purpose was, was beauty. And so... To me, beauty, art, which is the derivative of beauty, comes from, ultimately comes from God. And we're allowed to discover, we're allowed to explore the beauty in the universe, allowed to see the beauty. If you think like that, then that means art is not exclusive to man. <laughs> you know, God creates art. God is an artist. You know, Jesus specifically referenced, you know, the flowers and the lilies of the field. And, and God creates those that are, they, you know, more beautiful than the robes of Solomon, uh, Matthew 6.29. So God is an artist, but no one would dare say that, oh, you know, God's not an artist or something like that, but he is. So that means to me that art and therefore the definition of art does not originate with man, okay? It really originates with God in terms of what is beauty, and we're allowed to enter into that discovery of the beauty that's in the earth. So since AI is a tool of man, like the camera is a tool, microscope allows us to see things that with our natural eye we cannot see and so we're able now to discover the beauty because of the tool that we created in terms of lenses and glass and now with algorithms man has again has created or invented something through his own ingenuity and is now able to extrapolate once more beauty in a way that we have not seen and that's what ARR allows us to do it allows us to see things in a way that humans can't see or allow us to compose, just like with the keyboard, things that we have not been able to compose before. So that's kind of my philosophical, spiritual take on the matter (laughs) in terms of what is art. You brought up some very interesting points. And as I was listening to your response, I couldn't help but agree with several of the points that you made. One of them being that we create but we create with what's already existing, like the colors. Now, AI is something we created, and this shows the communicable attributes that God gave man to create, in a sense, life. But this life is artificial. It's not organic in nature. I see AI as a tool, and that tool is being used to probe the depths of human ingenuity as well as discover the universe around us. We have discovered cures for illnesses. We've discovered creatures deep down in the sea where we couldn't get on our own, but we use these machines to go deep down into the sea. We use a James A. Webb telescope. From that perspective, people can see AI in the same light as we see other artificial means of discovering our world. So we now have AI as a tool. We now have AI as a creative assistant. But let's talk about the pros and cons. And I think the pros and cons are that if these things can help us become better creators, is that a bad thing? I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, like what you said, as far as the reality is is that AI, 
I think we see this already. Let's face it, all we're talking about is math. We're fundamentally talking about algorithms on a, such a sophisticated level. Couple that with computer technology that's able to generate and deal with probabilistic issues, what things should look like, the science certain values, and it, so the computer now knows that this is an apple versus, you know, this is, a, this is an orange. But let's be real. The reality is that most of man's inventions have a dark side to them. You know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Nuclear fusion is not new. God created that from the get-go. <laughs> when he said, let there actually light existed before stars. So, you know, when he made the stars, he put fusion into place. So we're just discovering with our technology that we have now how to replicate that on some small scale. And we can't even do it on the level that God did it. So fusion is not new. I don't look at this as artificial, and we use that moniker, I actually hate it, because it's really not truly artificial intelligence. One of the designations of something being alive is that it has the ability to reproduce after its own kind. And if it can't do that, it's, it's fundamentally not alive. It's inorganic, as you mentioned. But yeah, AI definitely can be used. I think we see that in turn, and I'm, you know, as an African-American, as a person of color, just thinking in terms of you know, how photography with webcams and things like that and how technology can be used to hurt, you know, individuals of, of color uh, in terms of data sets and things like that. Yeah, I heard about that. They were talking about using AI to generate a profile based off the crime rates in certain communities. And I said, oh, my gosh, we're not opening a can of worms now, are we? <laughs> yeah, so, so we can see how the pros and cons of AI and this intelligence can help us out. It can be a help and can also be a hindrance. And it can also start to create a disruption. And we need to address that, a disruption of what we consider normal. But technology is always disruptive. I was watching a documentary about AI recently that had aired back in 2019. It was on Frontline. And the gentleman said, if you look at human civilization, for all these hundreds of years, it was pretty stagnant. And then the Industrial Revolution came, and that skyrocketed our ability to create and to explore with the Industrial Revolution. And that was the change. Technology became involved. When we were able to use technology, and it had more impact than our own muscle power. And these are the things that continue to help us to grow. So in the same way that the Industrial Revolution changed Western civilization, AI is going to make the same disruption. And with that disruption, there are going to be people who win, if I can use that lightly, and people who lose. Just as it happened with manufacturing industries, now we don't think about it, but there is a time where there was a massive protest against it. So we have to look at AI as it's not going to go away. It's sort of like if we were to get rid of our computers, do we really want to go back to typewriters? Right, exactly. Yeah, those, those days are gone. We enjoy the nostalgia of them, but I'm not going to go back to a typewriter. If we didn't have technology, we couldn't even record this podcast. So you can't go back because you get used to the tools that we have invented to ease our lives. And so we talked about AI as a tool. We talked about AI as a creative assistant, and we show the pros and cons to both of these. 
Now I want to touch on something a little bit more sinister. (laughs) And I'm going to say it like this, AI as a government aid. So when we use that category, what are we talking about here? Well, AI can be information, data is, is powerful, and your data can be used against you. Your credit score can be used against you. Your, your, your profile can be, you know, we have provisions in place because we're concerned about things like identity theft. But why is that? Because how important it is for the information about us to be protected, because someone can use that in, for nefarious purpose reasons why we have things in place to protect our our health records and things like that. So these things can, in the wrong hands, they can be sold for profit. They can can be used for nefarious purposes, whether you are, depending on where you're at on the issue regarding the elections and the influence by Russia, you know, social media has a huge influence. And we already know people can be influenced by social media. We We already know that. And so AI has the potential to take really the worst of humanity, if you ask, if, you know, in asking me, and, and it can be used against us in ways that can be harmful, absolutely. No doubt about that. It's almost as if anything we create has the potential to be used in a negative manner. We use the internet right now to connect, but we also know that that same connection can be used to hurt others. And you use identity theft, but I was thinking about crimes against children, trafficking, drugs, all of that. We don't, we create electricity to line our houses and to put someone in the electric chair. It's just the way it is. So we have to be mindful of how we use these tools. And that's why I think if we're going to have this discussion, we also have to talk about what ethics are we going to put into place when it comes to AI? And do you think that conversation happens often or does it happen at all? Honestly, I don't know. I think at this stage, I think the biggest ethic is money. (laughs) How much money can I make in the wild, wild west of this thing? Let's be real. Uh, How many of us have heard of ChatGPT six months ago? You know, realistically, I hadn't. I hadn't even heard of MidJourney six months ago. And and now you're here. Okay, well, now we've got to incorporate this in Bing. And now Google, you know, they, they were sitting on stuff. And now because of their competitors, you were hearing discussions about them putting things in place. So it seems from an external standpoint, the outsider looking in, you know, the consumer standpoint is that the ethics discussion is not being had. And the only place I really see it taking place within society at the moment, on at least on, I'll say on a consumer level, for lack of a better word, is really in the area of copyright law. So the Copyright Office has come out with several guidances to address the issue of AI-generated art. And so, and they're not really dealing with ethics, but of course we know that the law deals with this issue. But that's the closest I've seen. Now, there has been some discussion, I think you probably would agree to this too, with the language models. And, you know, some of the language models being insane. I saw something recently where one of the language models tricked a human into surpassing the CAPTCHA guidance. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Prove to me that, that you are human, and we have to fill out these little captures, squares, I guess, and, and somehow the, the AI managed to, I don't want to say trick the human, but it did something that um, that was controversial that, that brought up the fact that, wow, you know, this thing can do that. So I think we need to be cognizant as believers that we want to make sure that this technology is not turned against us. That's a huge concern. I think to the extent that we are politically involved, and if we're not, obviously we need to be we should be having these kind of discussions 
thing with our legislators and those that, you know, we have contact with to make sure that there are protections in place so that this tool basically cannot be used against us. This technology cannot cannot harm us. So, you know, but I think there'll probably be some individuals who say, well, hey, you know, that's that's the onus of, of the individual business. I think this is an issue that's beyond enterprise. Enterprise is just exposing us to this. But the reality is, is that it's going to have an impact and we need to think about how we're going to govern this technology. It brings me to the last part of our conversation. And I want to talk about the spiritual aspects here. And someone may be thinking, well, what does that have to do with spirituality or religion or Christ? Or what does all that have to do with that? And so we talked to you about the pros and cons in, as a tool, as a creative assistant, and as a government aid. But we did get a question from David from Facebook. And David, thank you for your question. David asks this, do you think AI is a necessary part of the setup for the Antichrist? And Don, I would love to get your thoughts about that. Yeah, thanks, David, for your question. My initial thought is, no, it's not necessary, but I think it will grease, (laughs) for lack of a better word, at the moment. It will allow the easier level of control that we see prophesied in the Word, where it talks about no man was able to buy or sell unless he had the mark of the beast. And so when I look at that, I look at something, and I'll take that literally. Um, I know there's different interpretations of ways of looking at that verse, but I see that literally that there's coming a day in the marketplace when I will not be able to purchase or sell something without this, without this mark. In fact, I was commenting to my wife not too long ago. I was in Kroger, and it wouldn't take my card. It went, money's in the bank, and then I couldn't pay for cash. And that freaked me out. And I said, wow, there's going to come a day (laughs) when you can't buy or sell because unless you have this mark. And so it reminded me of that instance. I think AI definitely with the means of of being able to control data and make these probabilistic models and privacy issues that that result from that, the the faking of images, persons, you know, they're using their likenesses. And I think all of that can be used against us in 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 a negative way. And it's something that I could absolutely would see an autocratic leader would be like the Antichrist to use to their benefit. Absolutely. I was thinking of those deep fakes that people use. And there was very recently a story about AI being used in pornography, where you can take someone's face, anyone's face, you can have the AI put the person's face on the person's body and then do what you want to do with that image. And these are the negative things we're talking about. And that's only going to get, quote unquote, better. It's going to get better at it because one thing AI does is that you can constantly update it to where it gets more perfect because it's not worried about failure. It doesn't have human emotions. It's not worried about how many times I had to do it to get it right. It's going to be updated. Whereas the difference with humanity is that we are constantly inspired and affected by our experiences. That makes us a huge difference between AI and ourselves. We did get another question. We got another question from Brenda. Brenda said, I've seen notes from some people that they used AI to generate scenarios and ideas. What kind of checks and balances are used to verify if when the AI suggestions are sound. What do you think, Don? Uh, I think it depends on what is it, what is it, I'm thinking of ChatGPT in this particular instance. 
So chat GPT, then in fact, the, the owners will tell you, it can give you false information. So the onus is clearly on the user. Uh, we've heard the, we've heard of that caveat, let the buyer beware. The, the onus is clearly on the user to verify the information. So I think one of the things you can do specifically with chat GPT is you can ask it to give you, you can ask it to give you references for its information. So I think that's one thing, well, easy thing that you can use if you're going to use that tool, simply ask it for references on the basis of its recommendations. And then, you know, one, check those references yourself to see whether they exist. And then, yeah, this, you know, so those would be some of the things that, you know, that I would recommend. But, yeah, it can definitely give you wrong answers. But, you know, in the end, it's up to us to verify the content, no different than a journalist or any other type of thing. You were doing research, it would be up to you to verify that that research is, is accurate. So. And it's also important to remember that this chat GTT, at least as um, it's connected with OpenAI, I've not used the Bing. It was not connected to, and my, to my knowledge, is still not connected to the internet. Uh, maybe one of your readers can correct me if I'm wrong. But, um, and I think that's another thing. It, it only had a certain amount of information up to a certain point in time. So it really couldn't, for example, talk about issues regarding coronavirus, the the vaccines and things like that, because its language model was, was based on events prior to that. So that's important information to know and, and something to go into when we use it. Another aspect, too, was that the AI was programmed with certain biases. And people called out, particularly for chat GPT, they called out on that. Like, if this is supposed to be a tool, it shouldn't have a bias. It shouldn't tell me what I'm supposed to think. It's just supposed to answer my question or do something like that. So these are also good things for you, dear listener, to consider when you're talking to your political associates or advocates who are in your state or in your area of the world. Because we want to be able to use AI for good things as much as possible. We know there's always going to be someone who is going to take the tool and just ruin it for other people. We know that. But we can at least... We can be active, like you said, buyer beware. We can be active of how we use the tools. So we hope that we have touched on this topic. We know we probably missed some questions. If you want to ask us some more questions, please leave your questions below the link below or in the comment section. We'll definitely get to them. We really do like this topic because at the end of the day, we as writers, we love this type of thing because it just opens our imagination, which you can't do with AI. So Don, thank you so much for being with me today on the show. If people want to get in contact with you, where can they find you online? They can find me on my website at um, donovanmneal.com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, soon to be on um, TikTok, also on on Twitter as well. So usually uh, my moniker is on Donovan and Neal. So you can find me on any one of those social channels. And as always, Don, we want to encourage our aspiring authors out there whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen or the keyboard and do so. So go ahead and encourage them out there today. Write the words, write all the words. Did you just take my slogan? (laughs) You just took my slogan. You know what? But that's a good way to end it. Write the words, all the words. And dear listener, you're going to hear, you know, sounds in the background as I beat Don down for my little slogan. But Don, thank you again for being with me on this show. I really enjoyed having you. Cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. <laughs> sounds like a plan. <laughs> and we were talking today to Donovan Neal. He is an author and, it's, and we were just addressing the whole AI issue. 
is it going to replace you as an author? Is it going to replace you as a graphic designer? Is it going to replace humanity? Those are really deep questions that we need to ask ourselves. But Don answered it pretty simply. No, it's not going to. It will help us probably do things that we have been doing better than we have before. But we also want to make sure that we are being strategic in our use of this tool. What ethics are involved? What kind of checks and balances can we put into place? These are questions you need to ask as well. So is AI going to take over humanity? I think not. And so, dear listener and dear writer, whatever story that is inside of you, go ahead, pick up the pen and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.